Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever Halloween episode of The Real Forno Show. I am in a different area of my house tonight because we have Halloween trick-or-treaters in the neighborhood. And Mr. Odie, I did not feel like putting him in his crate because I just I wanted him to have a good first Halloween. He's he's my little pumpkin. He's got his little pumpkin sweater on. In the meantime, not only is it Halloween and it's spooky for the rest of the NFC North, but it is a wonderful day for the Minnesota Vikings. As they sit at 6-1 and one with a magic number of 7 going into Week 9. Now, what does that magic number mean? It means any combination of seven Vikings wins and either Packers losses or Bears losses. So the magic number works with both teams. The Vikings will win the division. So they could, in theory, win the division in four weeks if things go according to plan. That is pretty astounding for a team that was, quite frankly, not necessarily sure what you were going to get. Now, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. We're going to talk about the Kirk. And welcome to a spooky, spectacular episode of The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a spooktacular episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornison. and with me is producer Dave, as always, in the corner, and we've got my very beautiful pumpkin, little four-month-old Odie boy. I'm going to pick him up here for a minute. Come on, bud. Come say hi to the people. Hey, buddy. That's a good boy. There he is. Good boy, Odie. Odie, do you see Dave? Look, is that Dave? We'll see. I've got toys over here too, Odie. (laughs) Well, maybe you can – we can introduce you to Merlin if I ever want you to get eaten. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, um, I apologize for those who are going to be listening on podcast. Um, just because uh, you don't get to experience the beauty of my puppy, Odie, but he's a wonderful, wonderful boy. In the meantime, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a very fun show. The Vikings are 6-1, and one, and what a ride this 6-1 and one trip has been for this Purple and Gold franchise. It's very weird, Dave, because I even tweeted after the game, the Vikings keep figuring out ways to win, and how they're winning is the sign of a good football team. But I still don't know what this football team is. And it's it's a very weird conundrum because they feel like a good football team. They have stats of a good football team. They certainly have the record of a good football team. But they don't always play like one. And it's it's been very interesting to parse out. And at a certain point, you are what your record says you are. And that's a Bill Parcells line. He's right. This is a 6-1 and one football team in the driver's seat, not only to be the winner of the NFC North, which they can do, in four weeks' time, they if could all goes win. Well. Yes, they could win the division on Thanksgiving weekend. Like that is not out of the question. Now everything has to go right. Everything. The Vikings have to win all of their next games. The Packers and Bears have to lose their next three as well. And then the Vikings need to beat. Um, they need to beat the Patriots on Thanksgiving night, but. It's not out of the question, and that's that's wild to think about, right? The Vikings could clinch a division in November. Oh, that, pretty, pretty awesome. That stuff. is absolutely crazy. Um, I want to say hello to Mason, to uh, Rhino, and Purple Haze. Thanks for joining us tonight. But t- that would be a heck of a Thanksgiving gift in the end of the evening. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get stuffed on turkey all day. You know, have pie, because I love pie. It's the best part of Thanksgiving. All the goodies, sit down, watch our game, and then at the end, come out, clinch the division. We'll see. I don't think it's quite going to be that way, but it is mathematically possible. And if anything this season, mathematically possible falls into the realm of possibilities. Because at the beginning of the season, nobody thought we'd be six and one, right? 
No. And we could be seven and one after this week. And it's going to be fun to see how all that comes together. And one thing I've asked every single week, are they improving? And to my eye, yes, as a whole, as a team, they are improving. And this last game against the Cardinals, we played better as a whole team than we have in the previous um, rest of the games, six games. And that, to me, is a step that illustrates we could have one of those exciting, rare seasons, and this could be a very good team. Hey, we're second in the NFC. There's no Giants, no nothing, no Cowboys yet, no nothing. It's Eagles and then us. And, of course, our only loss is to those Eagles, and we know we hate the bird teams, so we might have a chance come January to take revenge on that. No, 100%. And my big thing with this Vikings team, as far as where they sit right now, they're taking care of business when they have to. And it's really hard to be upset or frustrated with this team considering they keep winning. But my focus is not necessarily on the now, it's on the future. And it always has been. You always you have to be looking at what you're doing and what you've done, but you also have to be able to project that out. And a lot of what my job is, both with Fantasy Points and um, at doing my Vikings content is where is this team going? What is this team doing to continue to set themselves up better for that run? What are they doing to set themselves up for a potential Super Bowl? What about next year, the cap situation? We're going to talk about some trade deadline stuff tonight. And a lot of that is going to be centered around money, Dave, because quite frankly, the Vikings don't have it. They can create it. But how creative do you really want to get considering the contracts that you would have to mess with in order to get that money. There are a lot of different things at play here. And when you talk about the Vikings, if I were to give them a grade after seven weeks, Dave, it's an A- minus because they are winning football games. They are doing it with offense. They are not breaking on defense. They are making plays when they have to. They are coming from behind. Odie, you relax, mister. Where's your bone? Go get your bone, Odie. Odie's not as happy with you. Over, you know, that. <laughs> There's ways to get to it play. done. Yeah, there there are plenty of ways to get it done. And I'm very curious to see how the Vikings are going to get it done. Um, I want to I want to see a lot of different things. But right now it's an A-minus football team because they're doing – it's essentially the Mike Zimmer Vikings that knows how to finish football games. Like, that's – like Yeah, but there's – uh, but there's changes to that. We now have leadership mm-hmm. from Zadarius Smith, who's featured in this show. He had a great game, right? Zadarius well, Smith I, has It's an oversimplification. It's oversimplification, Dave, but it's just the general construct. You added a couple pieces, but for the most part, it is a Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman-led team. Like, this is what their team was with some slight modifications – New coaching staff, new front office, and they've flipped the switch where they've been able to finish. Mm-hmm. Like I'm with you, like the little things like Zadarius Smith, and I'll let you continue to, to expand on why how it's different because I think that itself is important as far as how we're going to project out the future of what this team is going to become because it's this isn't a Mike Zimmer football team anymore, even though it's a Mike Zimmer football team. Um, it's, it's I mean, very 75% interesting. of it is Zimmer Spielman, right? The players they picked. But mm-hmm. bringing in new coach, new front office, bringing in Zadarius Smith, Harrison Phillips, changed the attitude. The whole feel of the place has changed. And when you have that good feel, Zadarius Smith is a more gregarious type of individual, more rah-rah, get it done, pumps up. He's fun to be around. Same with Horrible Harry. It's driving what was there behind, whether it be, you know, we love Kendricks, but he's a quiet guy. We love Hitman, but he's a quiet guy. And boy, is Mm -hmm. he having a resurgence this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's that sort of leadership that this team sorely needed. And it's helped. 
It's helped on both sides of the ball. They've loosened up Kirk Cousins. I have never seen Kirk Cousins this loose before. Normally he's, you know, been the proverbial, you know, with the corn cob up his wahoo type of individual, real corporate and close and close to the vest, only spews the, you know, approved talking points and that's it. No, he's much more relaxed. Now, has that helped his play stat-wise? No. But has that helped his play when it comes to, hey, we can win this and coming from behind in those, you know, early games, you know, to keep it in control, to do things that are necessary it takes to win? Yes, it's made a ginormous difference when that comes. And this is a Kirk I like to see better on offense. He's getting the ball around. Yes, we want to feature Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had a quiet 98 yards yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd like to see more, but it's, it's something that they're putting all together. Throw in special teams. Now, do we have a kicking problem, which we'll get to later? Possibly. But special teams as a whole is playing better. And you have attitude there. And all that culminates in the fact that the Vikings are 6-1. and one. The Vikings are doing better than our dreaded rival, who's had Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the last 30 years, right? They're falling apart. As Vikings fans, we love that. And it's, it's great. They're doing better than Chicago, who's selling off players as we speak today, right? They're doing better than Detroit because Detroit does Detroit. They do their Detroit things. As much as we might like Man Campbell, right, and his stuff, Detroit never seems to find a way. Yeah, The NFC North is ours for the picking. It is ripe. All we got to do is reach and grab it. And I think this season we're going to do just that. And all those new people, all those new personalities have come together to put us over the top. Yeah, and let's let's kind of dive right into players who could put us over the top, Dave. Um, as I make sure my dog isn't dying because he's he's got something in his mouth. Oh, it's just a pebble. Hmm. Good old puppies and loving to chew everything, huh? Yes, they do. I love him, but he's a little booger. Um, so let's let's talk about the trade deadline, Dave. Um, mm-hmm. The Vikings currently, and I think this is really important. This year, they have their first, their second, their third, and their fifth round pick. As far as and the, then they also have their sixth of what they no. Well, they've got do a they couple have co- compensatory picks coming, and I think yeah. they're sixth. They only. Ha- they only have their first, second, third, and fifth right now, and they have two sixths coming. Um, but you can't trade what you don't have because those yes. are unofficial. Yes. Yep. So those, in theory, will be official, but they we won't be able to trade them till like mid-March. So for this exercise, it's a very moot point. Next year, we don't have a seventh. We don't have a. We cannot trade our fourth or our fifth because they are both conditional. Now, here's what that means. When we traded for Jalen Rager, he had to um, meet certain statistical thresholds. That Those, I don't believe, were ever identified. But if they were, then it would go from a fifth to a fourth-round pick. Well, well, they're identified in the contract. Of, we just haven't seen them yet. We just don't know what that what that is as far as the conditions. I haven't been privy to that information, and it sounds like you haven't either. Uh-huh. Um, the big thing, though, is because it's a conditional pick, you have to keep – both picks, and you aren't allowed to trade them. So the Vikings can't trade their fourth or fifth next year. Now, a lot of the different picks or the players that the Vikings could acquire, you would probably want to have a fourth-round pick in order to do so because that's kind of like the sweet spot. Um, some of the guys that people are talking about, the Jerry Judys of the world, the Brandon Cooks, Chase Claypools, they want seconds. Now, we're going to dive into each of these guys because receiver is honestly – likely where the Vikings would go receiver and tight end um, slot corner is a little harder to come by. There are a couple K Williams that had a, the game winning interception for Denver yesterday. He's probably staying cause they're now three and five and not two and six. Right. And that extra win, Dave, 
makes all the difference as Odie <laughs> tries to bite my feet. As Odie's um, attacking you. Yes, we see it. Yeah. Um, yo, he's he's a wonderful boy, though. Uh, so when you talk about that kind of stuff, you're talking about giving up a second-round pick. It's a hefty price, and the player better be worth it. The problem is with these players, the only one that has really proven that they're worth that kind of capital as far as what they've already shown right. is Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks is 29, and he has an $18 million salary guaranteed for next year. Now, you can play with that money. And if you draft him, um, it's something that uh, Luke Braun said um, to me, um, host of Lockdown Vikings, I recommend you check his show out when you're done with ours. That's February Quasi's problem. And he's mm-hmm. right. You you can just figure that out later and deal with it. If you think Cooks is going to be a part of your franchise for the next couple of years. Because he turns 30. And he's older. But he's already played in the system. So the only kind of chemistry that he would need to build is with Kirk Cousins. He's mm-hmm. not going to have to learn the playbook. He already knows the playbook. Um, he might have to learn a couple tweak terminologies here and there. Terminology-wise, no but he, know, he knows the routes. He knows how to take advantage. Yeah. He knows how to run them. He's had, what, 7,000-plus yard seasons. To me, what I said Saturday, he seems to be the Adam Thielen of a few years ago, right? He is that quality of mm-hmm. a receiver. He can go. He can make it. Adam Thielen seems to be slowing down a bit. Plus, getting dinged up a bit, it makes a good sense. Now, the question is, which I posted in the group today, do you view this team now with the success it's had so far this season to go in and almost pull a Rams deal? They won't pull a full Rams, but almost a Rams deal and say, the opportunity to win is now. Let's make this trade versus going, we know in a few years, Kirk's going to age out, Adam Thielen's going to age out, Eric Kendricks is aging out, Patrick Peterson's aging out, Hitman's aging out. Everybody's Mm -hmm. coming up on the end of their career. Do we go all in now to take advantage of what where they're playing as of right now, which is pretty damn good? I, I'm going to give you a layered answer, and I, I also want to point out a couple comments in the chat, Dave. Ray, our friend Raymond um, mm-hmm. posted earlier, if you win the Super Bowl, do you fire sale the team? What do you mean by future? And that's going to play into my answer here because I don't think you can fire sale the team. I would have considered it after last year to just completely fire sale the team. You have a brand new organization, essentially, with Quasi Dolphamensa taking over and Kevin O'Connell as well. You have an opportunity to... You don't have to necessarily gut the team completely, but you can really start over wherever you want, and you can just go, 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 go. That option was not provided to them. Ownership wanted to stay competitive, so you're looking at a competitive rebuild, which is what we're doing. Now, because of that, this is how it's going to impact the trade deadline. You're not going to – somebody in the chat, um, uh, Digits, uh, puts in there, remember this, four years low salary using a second-round pick, far more valuable than a one-year rental. Here's the thing. None of these players that we would be trading for would be a one-year rental. Kwesi has made a few trades already, Dave. None of them have been one-year rentals. Ross Blacklock, Jalen Rager, they have longer team control. If Kwesi makes a move, he is going to make a move where that player is under contract for at least next year. So we're not going to be looking at a one-year rental type of player. It's not the, the 49ers trading for Christian McCaffrey. It is not going to be trading like the Eagles a few years ago traded for Golden Tate and they gave up a third round pick. When we gave up a third round pick for Randy Moss, that, those are one year rentals. And right. you know what? Those can work out really well. But yeah. that is not how Quasi has shown that he is going to do business. That is not how I believe he will do business. Now, I think if the vi- like if the right opportunity presents itself, like let's let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's say Odell Beckham Jr. wants to sign a one year deal for a prorated. 10 million bucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. He can only play the last four games. So you're going to do four seventeenths of 10 million. So that's what, like 2.8. So you're mm-hmm. going to give him $2.8 million over the cap. Okay. That's something that you probably do a restructure for and say, all right, sure. We're going to have Odell Beckham Jr. for a playoff run and he's going to eat opposite Justin Jefferson because it's Odell Beckham Jr. And he's going to have more opportunities. That's the kind of one year rental I think this organization might make. As far as a trade, they're, 
to me, there is no evidence saying that the Vikings would do a one-year rental. They would trade for somebody that is under team control for next year. And even if they trade for Jerry Judy, it's like $2.4 million next year. And then you, ha- you have to decide this summer on the fifth-year option. So right. then that becomes like $17 million or something. It's, it's expensive, but it's also, it also can be worth it because, hey, it's Jerry Judy. You're talking about two really dynamic route runners with explosive traits that can separate from defenders. Okay, that sounds pretty great. And mm-hmm. that's why you pay the exorbitant price to go get a Jerry Judy. And now you have two dominant receivers on the outside that can really separate. Now, Which you're going to have to worry about- fits for the opposing defenses. Who do we cover? Who do we put, you know, mm-hmm. the high safety over? Who do we double team? Because you pick one, you're going to be beat by the other. And if you yeah. cover one low, the other one's going high. Step on Diggs, Adam Thielen, when they ran the crossers, and one would go high, one would go low. And Kirk Cousins would pick whichever one's open and bang, right? Mm-hmm. That's the type of, if you're talking about Jerry Judy, type of receiver that you're going to get. How does that fit in to we're 6-1? and one. We could win this whole thing first time and forever. Do we take that chance? Do you want the front office to take that chance? Or do you want to say, hey, we're good, we're happy, you know, everything's copacetic, yeah, our right guard, come on, Ed, it's not doing as well as we want. Our kicker, eh, he's, he's great in the offseason, didn't miss a thing, right? Uh, our receivers, eh, they're doing okay, they're still getting their yardage. Kirk, eh, you know, back end, yeah, they give up a lot of yards, but they're keeping the points relatively low-ish, yeah. sort of, right? They let the Cardinals score a lot, but it didn't matter. That Do you take that, or do you think, we've got a horseshoe around our neck so far this season. Let's, you know, push some chips in and make it even better. And that's, I think that's the question the organization is facing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious yeah, what the Wolves think, because you know they're going to have input in this. Oh, yeah. And to me, the Wolves have always been willing to spend money. They've always been willing to do what they need to do to acquire talent, to make an impact, uh, whether it being from a business or a football sense. They, have been, they aren't shy about spending money. And when you have an ownership group, that's a big deal. They are willing to do what it takes to win. Now, what their uh, viewpoint is of winning is maybe different from what yours and mine is. I want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl, and obviously they do too. They have done what they have what they felt was necessary to help the Vikings get to that point. But they also are business people. And because they are business people, they are focused on the bottom line, and you know what doesn't sell? A losing football team. And that's one of the reasons in my like in my opinion that we've had this proven why the Vikings kept Kirk Cousins and did not choose to move on when they had offers on the table to do so. And it wasn't a Quasi decision. That came from upstairs. And it's going to be very interesting to see what their viewpoint is here. And I think based on conjecture, I believe that they would be in full support of whatever move Quasi would want to make to help improve this football team. Because one, the, the referendum that we heard that – Kirk Cousins was not to be moved unless they got an improvement at quarterback. They're not touching Kirk Cousins this year. That is that is completely right. out of the question. That now we can have that conversation the day after the Vikings are eliminated from either playoff contention or the playoffs, or the day after they win the Super Bowl. That that can be had. That's not happening here. And that was <laughs> I don't know about the day he, after we win the Super Bowl. I may be a little bit still drunk. From um, I will be too. Actually, I won't be because I'll be writing like an absolute maniac, but that's okay. Um, no, but what I'm trying to say, Dave, is it's it's a bigger, like, business-wise, it would make sense to go in because you're 6-1, and one, you're playing well, you're beating teams close. The Vikings are 5-0 and oh in one-score games. Last year, Dave, they were 6-8. and eight. Now... Mm-hmm. It's that's a volatile thing when you win a lot of close games. And we've seen that year after year teams that had high 
are a high win rate in low score games, they come down to earth the next year. While we are on the upswing, next year we'll we'll worry about the decline. But we don't have to worry about that right now because we have that upswing. And I think the Vikings need to try and swing, but they need to swing smart. And we're going to talk about it. Um, a couple people in the chat. Um, Rhino from Vikings Uncensored, um, also another really good Vikings podcast that you check out. They debut their shows Friday nights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, said pair up Judy and Jefferson for the next three to four years. Hell yeah, I would agree. Let's talk about Jerry Judy right now, Dave, because he was in most people's minds, and I believe he was on the consensus board, the number one wide receiver in that 2020 NFL draft. I viewed him as what Justin Jefferson was coming out, but better. And I thought he was a better route runner. I thought he was more explosive. I thought he was better after the catch. The one area where I thought Jefferson clearly had him was catching the football. Judy has had Mm -hmm. some drop issues. He had 12 his rookie year. Since then, he has had six. And the drop rates and the catch rates aren't great. But when you consider who's been throwing in the football, it's not always on him. You're going to have some question marks about just him as a natural pass catcher. That's fair. It's warranted. I think when you get a more accurate quarterback, which let's be honest, Kirk Cousins, for all his faults, the one thing he's very good at is accuracy. He throws an accurate football. But he's been off just a tad bit this season. for some He reason. has, and I think that has to do with just rushing <clears throat> things. I think it also has to do with the fact that he's playing in a new system and he's not, being, he's not able to it. just – he's half a second slow processing in his mind just because he is not fully comfortable and unlocked this whole system yet. And that's fair. And that's not even a criticism. That's just, he's a quarterback. And now I am, I'm sure you remember hearing this, Dave, when quarterbacks would be installed in the West coast offense, it would take five years to master and year three is when you would see that take off. Yeah. That was, yep, that was kind of the growing trend. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily going to take him that long. Cause honestly, a lot of some of these concepts were not run with the Kubiaks and Kevin Stefanski. You just weren't. You weren't running a lot of choice routes. You weren't doing a lot of 11 personnel bunch stuff using a ton of jet motion. There are differences, but a lot of the core concepts are the same. The deep shots, the max protects, the running plays. So when you factor all of these things in, Cousins is going to get it. And when he does, you're going to notice it, and he's going to feel less, it's going to be less likely that he's going to make quicker throws and he's going to almost like make too quick of a decision, right. and then that can mess up your mechanics. Like I'm, I'm saying it poorly, but it's well, it's one me, thing to be confident in a decision. It rushed, rushed right. is the word I'm trying to say. Well, I don't. Um, I'm seeing he's just a tad behind, and he floats it. He goes high. But I want to answer GMAC. GMAC Kirk Cousins is under contract through all of next season, the 2023 season. The only way we get rid of Kirk Cousins is. If we, he has a no trade clause, but part of that clause is he can agree to a trade. You would have to have him agree to a trade. Now, you can help force that by drafting his replacement. Now, the question is are we going to be able to do that? I doubt that uh, because even if we lost all the rest of the games this season and finished. 6 and 11. We're still not going to be high enough to get the top guys to come out of the draft. It's it's just the way it is. So you roll with Kirk. Um and we don't have the draft capital to a whole lot of draft capital to move up and get him anyways. So we're looking at Kirk as the next 2 years. This year we're seeing him struggle a little bit learning all this stuff, but he's getting better and better. The team has winning and continued to win. We see his big step at the end of the games, right? Coming back and winning. So it's it's a good thing. I'm, you know, you know me, I'm not a big fan. But if he keeps winning like this and being able to come back, I maybe become a fan. If he, you know, he's more relaxed this mm-hmm. season. I'm liking what I'm seeing. So mm-hmm. it's it all depends on that. We, we keep going. You throw Judy in there, right? And by the time Jefferson and Judy come up on their big contracts, Kirk will have most likely been gone by then. We're talking 24, 25. So, yeah. 
yeah, it's the whole Cousins thing is an interesting conundrum. We'll talk about that more down the line. But I wanted to at least point that out because it's it's it'll be interesting as far as how we continue to grow throughout the season. And I would be all on board with Judy. Um, I when I wrote about the Vikings should trade for Judy, I projected it to be a third round pick. And then within hours after I posted it, it was um, reported that the Broncos were wanting at least a two. And I, I'm in a tough spot with wanting to give up a two. I think you could argue that. But if you're going to make that trade, you have to be certain that this guy is a big part of the future. And that's where it's going to be with other guys that are also on the block. Chase Claypool, who provides a different element. He's got straight line speed. He does not have quickness. But he's big. He's tremendous with the ball in the air. Excellent body control and hands. Uh, and it's just something the Vikings don't have is size. He's 6'5", 230, and he can run. Like it's, He's just a different type of player. Um, Elijah Moore is on the opposite. He's short, quick, great with the ball in his hands. The Vikings really don't have that either. K.J. Osborne is fine with the ball in his hands. Thielen, fine. Jefferson, very good. Elijah Moore is great with the ball in his hands. And he's quick and shifty, along with being fast and able to take the top off of the defense. And I think if you're going to make a trade for a receiver, you need to get a different skill set than what you currently have. There's a theory that with a receiver room, you need to build a basketball team. You want your center, your power forward, your small forward, your guards. Like You want to have different skill sets because you want them to be able to do different things, and then it gives you more flexibility when you're designing route concepts. Um, The third guy uh, is Brandon Cooks, who was with the Rams 2018 to 2019, did not cross over with Kevin O'Connell, but it's the same offense. So it would not be a, a difficult transition for him. He is short, but he's a burner. He's got dynamite speed. He's great with the ball in the air. He knows how to track it. And he can win quickly um, in the intermediate levels too. So those are the three guys. Um, KJ Hamler's another one. He'd be like a discount Jerry Judy. I am less convinced that I want to go get Hamler. Mm-hmm. Um than any of these other guys. If I had to pick one, I'm taking Jerry Judy because he had one, the best profile Two, He has not been in a great situation, but he still flashed his elite level potential. I had Judy as the second best receiver in that class. Um, sorry, the third best. I loved CD lamb. And then I, I also loved Henry Ruggs. And when Ruggs was on the field, he was, he was, he was turning a corner, but unfortunately he made that mistake with the drunk driving crash that really ended his career and unfortunately other lives. But Judy, I absolutely loved. I thought he could be a tremendous player and I still think he can. And why, why not have one Justin Jefferson when you can have two Dave, because Judy plays a very similar style of football. And and yes. And if you brought in a rookie quarterback at that time, when you're getting into that point after Kirk is gone, Having two outstanding wide receivers is going to help with the development of that. Too evil to hope the trade deadline is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central. Mm-hmm. That's they why we're spending so much it, time yes. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, great question from Ryan. Um, I know player for player is usually a big thing in the NFL. We actually had one today, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But would you consider packaging KJ Asborn with a pick if you're going after a guy like Judy? Yeah, absolutely. Great idea. Why not? How about KJ and a third? Like, uh, look, it's not that I dislike KJ. I don't think he's he's going to peak nearly as high as some people have necessarily thought he might. I don't think he's a number two receiver in the NFL. And I think this year really bears that out. Like, I think he's a high-end number three. And that's still a very good football player. That's a guy on the free agent market that could get $10 bucks a year. I don't think he's ever a guy that you're going to want to rely on to be one of your top two receivers. And because he's third in coverages... He's not playing the best defensive backs on any sort of consistent level. I think improving your wide receiver three by getting a wide receiver two and then dropping Thielen down to that third spot would be the best way to help propel this offense. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of adding Jerry Judy to this football team. Trading KJ would open up that roster spot so you don't have to worry about anything else. And it could decrease the draft capital going out from maybe a second to a third because you're giving a young player with talent and that's that's honestly a big deal because you're giving somebody a legit asset like i don't know if that would actually come to fruition i don't know if these that the vikings would be willing to make that kind of move because 
KJ's in his third year. I think he's peaked. He's he's an older player. I think he's 25 now because he came out of not Miami as an older prospect. Like I'm, I would be all for making that move. Like I know I've I talked to some really smart people and they were like kind of worried about Judy for a few reasons. One, he's really not a true burner. Neither is Jefferson, but they both can win deep with speed. Like there is a difference there. Um, I think that having two guys that can dominate in the intermediate, the short and the deep routes with speed, with technique, explosiveness, I think that that would be a tremendous asset. And with what Kirk's skill set is, I think it would be the best way to try and maximize him because Kirk likes things to be perfect. Now, some quarterbacks are gunslingers and, oh, I can make that throw. They got that massive big dick energy where, hey, I see a crack. I'm going to hit the crack with the football. Some guys don't want to make those throws. And for the most part, Kirk's that guy. And it's not an insult. It's just, it's how he plays football. He likes things to be perfect. Well, he's not Josh Allen. He's not, you know, yeah, you are 100% correct on that one. If, if you think that, that like with Kirk, he just wants, he wants things to be perfect. So give him players that are going to get that separation. KJ is not going to give you that separation. Thielen used to. He is struggling to do that right now. I think trading for a guy like Judy is, is a slam dunk. And the uh, Quang says KJ doesn't have trade value. Well, if you pair him with another asset, I think he's a trade piece. I don't think he is the centerpiece around a deal. I don't think he's a guy that people are going to trade big time stuff for big assets. Right. But I think you pair him with a good asset. You can get something over the top and not give up a better asset. If that makes sense. Um, another position, Dave, that the Vikings, you need to take a look at, unfortunately is tight end. Ben Ellison is still on injured reserve with that groin injury. And K- and Irv Smith jr. Suffered a high ankle sprain on the KJ Osborne touchdown. Unfortunately, because Madison missed a block, and yep. they end up rolling over Irv Smith's ankle. When does and Ben come be off IR? He should be off IR soon. He can come off after the Commanders game. I have not okay. heard when he will come off because that's a completely different thing. I'm looking at this like the Vikings need to get a tight end uh, for the long haul because a high ankle sprain, it could be two weeks. It's likely it could be six. six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I took a look at I, – I talked to all the wire site people. I'm like, hey, tight ends, wh- like what would be available for you at the deadline? And I got a few names. Um, Mike Kosicki, the uh, Miami. Miami Dolphins tight end. I don't think he fits. And uh, another tight end that Plus I'm actually going to – Miami's winning. Yeah, uh, I'm going to – well, they also signed him to a franchise tag and they don't use him because he doesn't block well. That's one of the reasons why I don't think he would work here. Um, Gasicki is a guy that's going to win down the field. He's not going to block. Um, and in that Mike McDaniel offense, not a whole lot of use for him. Um, and he's also in the franchise tag. So you can't talk to him until after the season. And he's, his contract would be a prorated like $10 million. That's a little expensive. That's a lot now, expensive. Yeah. Albert Okawegbunam, the Denver Broncos tight end. He is very similar to Mike Gasicki. Fast, great with the ball in his hands, does not block well. Mm-hmm. Difference is, <clears throat> Albert O's on a fifth-round contract. He's got one year left after this year, and he would cost a lot less in draft capital. That would be something that I would be intrigued by as, as far as the Vikings wanting to make a move for a tight end. The third option, Dave, is one that fits the motif of Quasi Dofo Mensa, but it would also mean trading within the division. But he's already traded with these guys anyway, so it doesn't matter that much. The Detroit Lions and TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson, it (laughs) seems like he's going to be on the block. And tight ends are weird, Dave. It is a position where you – there's like a saying, you're drafting a tight end for their next team. You're not drafting him for you because tight end is a difficult position to learn. It's a difficult position to master. And because of that, it would be interesting to see the Vikings take – a shot at a tight end and get a guy that's already established himself. Hawkinson played at Iowa and he was known as a blocker. That was also a good pass catcher. And he's shown that in the NFL. He can do both at a high level. That is the kind of player that if you're the Vikings, 
that could be the Tyler Higby in this offense. He could help stretch the field, especially up the seam. He can win across, like with crossing routes. He can easily beat linebackers. This could be your long-term tight end. It would be interesting because it would cost a good amount. It's probably costing at least a third-round pick, maybe more. And then you're going to have to worry about paying him long-term. That can be February Quasi's problem. But if you think that he could be your long-term guy, you don't have to try and develop anything. He's already developed. He's already ready to go. And to me, Dave, that is the most intriguing option at the tight end position because it's a long-term play and something that Quasi Dofo Mensa has already shown. I want to get guys that are ready to roll, that have team control, that we can manipulate their contracts and make it work for us. I really like that option. I don't necessarily know if the Vikings should make a move like that. I wouldn't even advocate making a move like that. But if they did, I would understand it. And quite frankly, I would support it. Uh, Too evil to hope. I would love to have Kyle Pitts on our team. I just don't think that is a chance. (sighs) Kyle Pitts, you'd have to trade at least a first round pick. He was a top five pick Mm. and he's a freak. The problem is, Um, that offense isn't necessarily geared to getting him a lot of touches. They're going to evolve that and change it. And he started to see more touches this week. Plus, you have a stopgap at quarterback in Marcus Mariota. It's not always that simple, unfortunately. I I like Kyle Pitts long-term. He is a true unicorn. He's not your standard player. So I would be very intrigued to get him, but it's not going to happen. I think those are like the, those the guys I mentioned are the ones that I think are logical. Mm-hmm. They're plausible. Are they likely? No, no trade is likely until it happens because this is the NFL. Like there is, it, there is no likely so, unless you're talking Isaiah likely of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm very pro trade at this point. I'm pro adding long term assets or signing Odell Beckham Jr. or Indominus Sue. Make an impact on your team. Find a way to improve this roster. And Once the Vikings do Indominus that. Sue with Dalvin Tomlinson possibly being out this week. Yeah, and he's a, he's a day-to-day. And you know what? I would consider resting him for the game against Buffalo because calf injuries are weird. They take a long time to fully heal. And... They can be re-aggravated. Don't come back too early from a calf. It can it's linger, like a linger, high linger. Spring. Yeah, they're more painful than hamstrings, calves. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what the Vikings do. We are at this point twenty hours and thirteen minutes away from the trade deadline. Dave, if you had to make a prediction right now with the Vikings and the trade deadline, what would you make? Odds are they do nothing because that's generally the rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I think Quasi will do something? I bet he's burning up the phones right now. Do we consummate that trade? I can't say yay or nay. I got it at 50 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to put it at 70 30. 70% we do make a trade. Um, Quasi talked about, and Judd Zolgad wrote at the Vikings Wire, and I had recommend you take a look. Uh, he wrote specifically about Quasi Doflamensa not heeding to his own advice, and quotes from Quasi like, "Hey, we're not the Rams, but I respect what they've done, and understanding that, hey, sometimes you have to make a move in order to take that next step." And I think the Vikings are going to be willing and ready to make a move. What kind of move are they going to make, Dave? I don't know. know. But I think they're going to make some kind of move. Tight ends are not, uh, they're not like a corner system. No. Um, Mike Zimmer can find a corner there uh, along with a squishy. But it's just kind of one of those deals. Um, Let's let's wrap up. We spent a lot of time talking trade deadline tonight, Dave. I want to talk about a couple players. One of them being, Zadarius Smith. Ooh, what is this? What is this? What is this? El Petrino. It's tequila. Tequila. Sipping tequila. Sipping tequila. Is it barrel aged? Uh, yes. It is a uh, um, Respato. 
I don't know how long they age it, but it's got to go on a barrel. That's to be a Respato, you got to go on a barrel. It is very, very That's good. Great. I bought it's this great um, liter and a half bottle, and it's a little difficult to pour. It's an odd shape. But it is good if you like sipping tequila, right? Good, high-quality tequila. It is a good, relatively inexpensive, uh, mm. but very, very good tequila. It's not a $75 shot tequila, but it gets you real close to that. So mm. You like should uh, send a picture of that to our friend Declan at Score North. He's a big sipping tequila fan. Is he? Oh, yes. yes I'd he love is. to. Yeah, uh, Declan let's talk and I have guys. all the challenges of being producers <laughs> together. Yes. yes, and we are incredibly appreciative of both of you uh, for making this happen. Um, Dave, the guy we uh, promoted the show with, Darius Smith, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to answer a myth about those Vikings defensive line. Smith is having a tremendous year, one, because he's ver- a very good football player mm-hmm. and he's healthy. Two, it's because teams aren't worried about him. They're worried about Daniil Hunter. And there's like, oh, Daniel Hill only has three sacks. Look, you also have to contextualize it. I asked these questions a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. Ed Donatel ended up answering some of these when reporters asked. And the big thing was, okay, he, he is getting acclimated to this system, and yeah, it's going to take some time. The numbers will come. Okay, mm-hmm. he's got three sacks. He's been fine. But you watch that game against the Cardinals. They chipped him nearly every play. They had two guys on him frequently. Sometimes they had a chip and two guys on him. They did everything they could to make sure Daniil Hunter could not ruin their day. And that gave Zadarius Smith a lot of opportunities for him to ruin their day. And I think that needs to be taken into context. That needs to be understood. And it is not a slight on Zadarius Smith. Uh-huh. It Teams are scared of Daniil Hunter ruining their game. They're, they're scared of it, and they're making sure he doesn't, and that's giving opportunities to guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones, Zadarius Smith. They are getting those opportunities to ruin the day for the opposing quarterback, and th- I think people need to understand that. This is why uh, you cannot box score scout because stats will only tell you so much as to why a player was doing this, that, or the other thing mm-hmm. because you have to understand the situation that he was being – pulverized by that the um, Cardinals blocking and he was still winning but at a certain point you run out of time because the quarterback's either going to scramble run or throw it like you don't have five seconds to get to the quarterback and when you have all these guys chipping and double teaming him you can't and that to me is the biggest reason why the Vikings um haven't seen a lot of production yet from Daniel Hunter and it's not a slide on him. It's, it just kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah. He's getting the attention and which mm-hmm. is cool. Cause it's allowing Z to be Z and it's, it's a wonderful thing. I expect if it wasn't for the flag on the one play, he would have had a sack yesterday and he, they all were just so close all day yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think just like the offense where we talk about it's you know, just that fraction of a, a step, a step, a mind, you know, click behind, same with the defense. And I think that's going to click as we get further and further along, and we're going to see those numbers go up and up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you know for what? The majority and of the teams we play don't he had count that just for as- Buffalo, but count that yeah. for you know, Washington this week. Hunter had just as many pressures last yeah, yesterday as Darius Smith. They both had four. Hunter's mm-hmm. making impact on the game. It's just in a one that you were not, we weren't expecting as much. We were expecting him to have more sack production. And unfortunately, sacks are a little random. Pressures. If you can't generate consistent pressure, that's go. Excuse me. That's going to make a bigger impact than just having one sack. Get pressure on the quarterback. Make them alter what they're doing, make them rush their throws, like bat them mm-hmm. down, hit the quarterback. So he gets a little timid, <gasps> making, um, oh, making him uncomfortable. You know, that's the way to defeat Kirk 
It works for almost every quarterback in the league. You make them uncomfortable, and you take over the game. And that's the way I believe they can do that. And they're getting close. It's Like I said at the beginning, are, is this team improving every single game? And the answer to that is yes. We see yeah. improvement every single game mm-hmm. as a whole, whether it be as a whole on the offense, whether it be as a whole on the defense, whether it be as a whole on special teams. We've seen some great special teams play. And then we get to our next topic, which is do we have a kicking problem? Dave, yes, I think we do. But I wrote about it for the Vikings Wire uh, yesterday after the game. Different kickers that we could potentially replace Greg Joseph with. I don't think there are better options available. And I think that's part of the issue. Um, there let me let me pull up my piece because I can't I want to make sure I get this guy's name right. Um there's a guy who kicked for the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Um his name is Matt, I think. Um let's see. Uh, Matthew Wright, he hit a 59-yard field goal for uh, the Chiefs against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I think you can make a move like that. You can give it a try, but there's a high likelihood he's just going to do the same thing Joseph did. Um, The three extra point misses are worrisome. Um, I'm not so worried about the long field goals because long field goals, look, he's he's missed a few of them. He's had some bad luck. This last one, he kicked it too low and hit a guy in the helmet. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about all of these are like 53-plus. We're not talking easy uh, kicks. majority of them are 56-yarders. There's something yeah, about that almost number. almost all of them are 56. Cool. It's, it's kind of wild. But Or the one that I looked at that was interesting um, is Jose Borregales. Um He was a rookie last year um, out of Miami. Exactly. Talented player. Um, but he has had some inconsistency streaks. And he is currently, um, I believe, on a practice squad. Um, that is a player that you could think about. Um, but you're probably not getting a Daniel Carlson or a Justin Tucker. You may not even get an improvement over Greg Joseph. So you have to be careful um, of just like, hey, we need to get rid of this guy. Well, maybe, but you have to have somebody to replace him right now. There just isn't a good option. But it could be something, it could be something absolutely simple. I always attribute kickers to golfers, mm-hmm. right? The leg swing to a club swing. You adjust just something real simple, and boom, it's all back down to straight down the middle. And it could Dave, be that I'll way. I'll be back in just a okay. second. GMAC talks about kickers are fragile, fragile fellows. Yes, it is very much a psychological deal, but it could also be that physical – I'm, if I step to a half inch to the left, suddenly it all works. It's it's that, that if they could find some way to get into his head, because we saw all offseason and all into the preseason, he didn't miss. Greg Joseph was money, and they called him G-money, right? But it's since then, in the game conditions, he is changing. Do I think it's right holding? No, I do not think it's right. Do I want to sign a kicker named Wright so we have a punter and kicker right and right? No, I do not want to do that. I think I'm not as worried about it as long as we keep winning. If he costs us a game, yes, let's do that. But he has yet to cost us cost us a game um, because of kicking. Missing 50 yarders, the league this year is – 70% on 50-plus yarders. Kickers are getting better. You know, we talked about back in the day, you know, that wasn't the case, not even close, but we are now. So I think he'll come around. It literally could be something as literally stepping a half inch to the left and that squares him away and he's good to go. I'm not worried about the kicker yet. Is it on my radar? Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, as GMAC says, we had Daniel Carlson. What happened to Daniel yeah. Carlson? Mike Zimmer, who can't stand kickers, got in his head, messed up his mentality. Once you get that squared away, it's gold. Like I said, 
I translated to golfers. Tiger Woods is just outstanding. Bang, 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 beating everybody, but, you know, multiple strokes. And then he gets something screwed up, and he's not winning and barely making the cut um, before his injuries. That's uh, That could be it. Could be something as simple as that. So and until he starts costing his games, I am not worried about the kicker. Give him a chance because we know we have seen him bang through 60-plus yarders and not miss a thing. He can do it again. I like that G money hit with inflation. Very well could be. Um, Mm -hmm. Udo giving up sacks last year. Yeah, that happens. We talk about Mm -hmm. Ingram. Somebody had asked, I think it was Warren asked about, have we talked about Ingram? We touched on Ingram earlier. Uh, As you know, I love all my round bellies. I want them to do great. I think Ingram still does great when it comes to run blocking. I want him to pull his head out of his ass when it comes to pass blocking. I think he's a little out of sync. Mentally, and he oversets, yeah. and he can't track a stunt worth of shit. I think they, the offensive line and I had coach, offensive line coach over the the break would have taken him and worked on that. It didn't look seem to be that case, but I still hope that is a focus. I hope that they do that. Here we're going to run stunts against you because every team we're going to face now from now on is going to run stunts because they know that is effective. So the. Yeah. You, as a coach, I'm going to say, they're going to run stunts against us. Now we're going to work on it, right? We'll go through it at half speed. We'll go through it at three-quarter speed. We'll go through it full speed. You're going to learn, you know, hand out, feel where everybody is, whatever direction it needs to be, and you need to watch. If you engage here, you're good. If somebody's coming around, then move that guy in front of me type stuff. It's different techniques you can learn. You can get that through practice. And I do believe we have the ability to do that. I am not as worried about Ed Ingram. Yes, he's on a dip right now. I don't like to see that either. I want him to excel. Ezra, my boy, is excelling. You know, you got Darisaw, still highest grade on the team this week. I want them all to excel. So do that. They will. But like I said, Every week we've gotten a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better when it comes to my eye test, at least. And we keep winning, so. Mm-hmm. Can't beat that yeah. with a stick. Yeah. Um, one thing you're going to want to keep an eye out for, Ed Ingram has played, I think, all but five snaps at right guard, and those five snaps he got dinged up real quick and Udo had to come in for him. But they didn't take him out. I'm very intrigued to see if Chris Reed ends up getting activated, because the whole reason, in my opinion, that Reed wasn't getting activated over Ole Udo is because Udo has tackle flexibility. And that is a big deal. Having flexibility as a backup offensive lineman is, it's a bit, it's, it's necessary because you have to be able to play multiple positions for when guys get hurt because you can't activate all 10. It's just not smart business. So Chris Reed Ole Udo, Blake Brandle, even though they're doing um, more Brandle a tackle than they are a guard, um, all those guys can play that position. Keep an eye out for Ingram to see if he gets pulled against a very good Washington front four where Kirk Cousins will going be going back to Washington for the first time since he leaves left for Minnesota to play the Commanders next week. And that will be interesting. And... The commanders are wearing alternate black uniforms, which usually spells really? disaster for the Vikings. Yes. But the so Vikings will be in white. Yep. Um, the Vikings are one oh, we could be in purple, but probably white. Um, the Vikings are one and oh so far this season um, against alternate uniforms, beating the Saints. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. Dave, this has been a fun show. I'm gonna take Odie on a nice little Halloween. Yeah, walk, he sounds like off. he needs it. <laughs> yeah, show off this little pumpkin costume, and the wife comes home tonight, and I got to clean up a little bit, otherwise she will literally murder me, and we'll never have a show again. That's in the right. meantime, we've all been married thank- at least once, and we know how that goes. Yes, sir. I would like to thank our sponsor, Lake Monster Brewing, for um, supporting us here tonight. And Dave, I want to wish everyone a very happy and safe Halloween, and I hope you enjoy your spooktacular Green Bay Packers three and five record. It warms our heart. And believe it or not, 
The great, wonderful Flip Mozzie hit me up today about a show tomorrow night, so we may have a Vikings hot take tomorrow night. Then we have Vikings happy hour on Wednesday. And we may have a special guest on that one. That's what on that one as well. And of course, you got myself and Darren, the two old bloggers. They'll break everything down going into Washington to play the Commanders on Sunday. I've been to a game there. I didn't think the stadium was that bad, but it's it's not great. It's not U.S. Bank, but they've got their own issues, and it should be a good contest. Of course, on Sunday, we'll have the final score. Hopefully to celebrate seven and one. Yes, Dan, six and one feels great. We haven't had records like this in a long time. Last time we started six and one was 2009. Before that, it was 1998. Oh, sorry. Um, 2003. Oh, I thought 98 was. I know 98 98 was was one. But why well, I, I like I like to I like to black out 2003. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> With that, what do we say, hey. buddy? Uh, we say uh, have a wonderful and safe Halloween. Thank you for letting us turn your Monday purple. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best. Vikings content can be found and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.